This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Tuesday Drive, WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where Baker Mayfield worked with the first team today, and here were his numbers, courtesy of stats kept by the Charlotte Observer down there in Spartanburg. 13 of 24, two touchdown passes, and an interception, plus one of those touchdowns being perhaps the most exciting play of training camp so far. Looking at the video here, It was Baker connecting with Robbie Anderson, and this is how the play went down. Inside run fake with the deep post to Robbie from left to right. Mayfield driving off his right foot to deliver a moonshot down the field. And after splitting the corner in the high safety, Robbie tracked it down, fell under it, made the catch while rolling into the end zone. Then he put his arms into the air as the place went nuts. I'm not emotionally attached to the team. I'm not a fan as I started to cover the team. Growing up, I rooted for the Panthers here in the state. I was a fan. I had the Jake DeLome jersey and all. Now as I cover the media, I look at things a little bit more objectively. But we still have our interest of what we want to see happen, right? Selfishly, I am rooting for Baker to be the Panthers quarterback because of plays like that. Because Sam Darnold doesn't push the ball down the field. He'll see Ghost before he sees Robbie on a deep post. But I wanted to hit the quarterback competition a little bit differently today. Rather than breaking down the stats side by side, who did better for the competition, who did better for their chances, who's winning out, who has the edge, I wanted to put it to you guys. If you're a Panthers fan, who do you want to selfishly see playing quarterback for this team? Personally, who would you want out of the three? Not just Baker and Darn. Would you want to see Matt Corral? You want to see the young guy out there who we haven't seen play in the NFL yet? Or is it Baker? Or is it even Darnold? 336-777-1600. Or you can tweet us at WSJS Radio. Even email us. Just email us at thedrive at WSJS.com. Selfishly, I want it to be Baker because he has that magnetic personality. A weird thing's happened with quarterback over the last 20 years. I'm going to call this the Tom Brady effect. The Patriots won a lot. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. Generally, the greatest of a generation, whatever industry you're talking about, influences everybody in that industry. And Tom Brady, the way that he did it, the Patriot way, until recent years kind of diverting from it now that he's in Tampa and realizing his power, the power of his influence and platform, he was boring. He didn't really show you his personality. In fact... In recent years, he went on with LeBron James, his HBO show, The Shop, and said, I don't say 90% of the things I want to say. You'll get the 10%. And usually the 10% is the least interesting stuff. Russell Wilson never really said an interesting syllable in his career. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold. Franchise quarterbacks, that position, face of the franchise, is now like a political office. These guys are more like politicians, like Drew Brees. Oh, I'm just going to make sure I say the right thing because everybody listens to what I have to say. They're more like politicians than they are athletes. Baker Mayfield, 
He doesn't mind firing at the hip a little bit, both on the field and off of it, shooting a ball deep down the field to Robbie Anderson like he did today, or shooting some trash talk back and forth. Shaq Thompson, while wearing those aviator shades, I don't think that's what they're called, but they look pretty cool. That's my fashion sense. Oh, if they're cool glasses, they must be aviators, right? That's me. He said that Baker talks a lot of trash, and it reminds me, me talking trash back, when it was Thomas Davis and Cam Newton going back and forth. That's what they would do. They'd go back and forth talking trash. And all I could think was, yeah, let's go back to that. When the Panthers were so much fun and interesting, even when they weren't making the playoffs, they were interesting. Cam would have an interesting outfit. He'd say an interesting thing that stirs up the sports world in a polarizing way. Yeah, I'm pro that. You have a better shot of being good when you're interesting. And also, it makes our lives a lot easier from a media perspective, even a fan perspective. I'd rather talk about Cam's outfits rather than talking about the way Cam played his last few years in Charlotte. But here was Baker talking about the back and forth he's shared thus far with Shaq Thompson. You don't pick out the weak links. You go straight for the head. Oh, trash talk, uh, he needs work. <laughs> he needs work. Now, DJAC just continues to talk, so I don't know if it's just trash talk or if he's just talking every single day. But, no, those guys are so much fun to, to be with. When you, have a, when you have a defense like that that has so many leaders and, and competitors, um, that elevates everybody around you. So you got to match that competition level. you got to match that intensity. And that's you can bring the best out in each other. Now, you got to be smart while you do it. you got to still do your job first and foremost, but you can have fun while doing it. That's what this game's all about. Yes, and I'm acknowledging this is coming from a place of selfishness. I want this because, boy, is my show a lot more interesting. Like, people ask, what do you root for? Uh, I root for, you know, interesting content. I, I heard the analogy made once somewhere that sports radio hosts are like chefs. You know, what do you, what do you root for? I root for good ingredients. That's what I want. I want good ingredients every day. That's what I want to go with. And Baker Mayfield, he is the baker. He's providing a lot of good content for us. That's selfishly. But also selfishly, I'd like to cover a team that's good. I'd like to cover a winner. And the day that Baker was traded, I said, the Panthers are a playoff team with Baker. And I believe that. With the defense, that's pretty good. Could be a top 10 defense. With the weapons he has, knock, knock on wood, Christian McCaffrey's healthy. The offensive line being repaired this offseason. I think this is a playoff team, given how the NFC currently looks, especially the NFC South other than Tampa. Baker, he could be the future at quarterback for Carolina. Sam Darnold isn't. We know that. At best, Darnold is the stopgap guy this year, waiting for Matt Corral or a future drafted quarterback to be the guy. Baker could be it. He's had exactly one bad season in the NFL, and it was last year as he was dealing with a dislocated, non-throwing shoulder, dealing with some ankle stuff too. Yes, there was some stuff he said in the media and stuff going on behind the scenes I didn't love. I'm not saying that's not re uh, relevant, but when he plays football, he plays it well. He's got a lot to prove, and when the guy has some things to prove, he usually comes through. That's So selfishly, we'd like to cover a good team. The show is a lot more fun when we're talking about a 10-win Panthers team rather than a 5-win Panthers team. And going back to his story, the story is more appealing. Baker, he was an underdog. He won the starting job at Texas Tech as a, as a walk-on, and then he was overlooked again, so he transferred out to go to Oklahoma as a walk-on again to then win the starting job with Lincoln Riley there at Oklahoma, win the Heisman Trophy, 
one of the best 50 players to maybe ever play college football. And meanwhile, Sam Darnold, huh, California kid, gets an opportunity at USC, overhyped, going into his last year, throws a ton of picks, still a top three pick when everyone thought he'd be the number one guy, goes to New York City, now to Charlotte, not much of a personality. Whose story is more appealing to you? The, unders- uh, the undersized, always doubted underdog with the feisty personality or the aloof guy that sees ghosts who seems like the anointed guy from California, USC, getting every opportunity to prove himself and never cashing in on it once. Selfishly, I am rooting for Baker to win the starting job. Your thoughts are welcome, though. Will Dalton, taking your calls, 336-777-1600. You are a Panthers fan. You with me on this, Baker Mayfield? You Are you rooting for Baker to win the starting job? I am rooting for Baker to win the starting job. I want to see it. Who's not with me? Who disagrees with me on that? That's mainly who I want to hear from. If we take a ton of calls, I got a feeling they're going to be saying the same thing. We want Baker Mayfield to be the guy. Who's the one saying, give me Darnold? That's what we want. Well, I think people are remembering that taste that was in their mouth watching Darnold make a lot of bad decisions last year. The Patriots game. Oh, don't even remind the me. Giants that was game. Awful. It was, oh, those are the two worst ones in my opinion. Uh-huh. Those were pretty bad. Yeah. Shifting to college football. I think there's a case to be made that the ACC's Atlantic Division is the best division in the country. I'm not just saying that because Weybridge Lane is in our listening radius here. League headquarters in Greensboro. I'm saying something that I believe is true, but I doubt you will ever hear it said on national media anywhere. And I could make a case for it. I'm not saying this is going to happen for sure, but I'm saying... At worst, it's the third best division in college football. And I'm saying you could make a case for the ACC Atlantic over the SEC West and even the Big Ten East. And here's the case. They've got three top 15 teams, the ACC Atlantic does, including a national title contender in Clemson. You've got State. You've got Wake Forest. The the other two divisions, they they might have that. The SEC West is Bama and A&M, who you know are going to be top 10 teams. Maybe Arkansas cracks the top 15. Pig suey! Sam Pittman got it fired up. They have a really fun quarterback in Jefferson over there. The Big Ten East, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, you know, they're probably all going to be in the mix. So everybody, ha- they check that box of having top 15 caliber teams. But do they, those other conferences, also have three teams that could win eight games? Three other teams? Because that's what I see with the Atlantic. I see Louisville and Florida State and and Boston College, who I really struggled to put in order. And two of the three have really good quarterbacks. And Florida State, really good recruits. And Syracuse, who I'm not even mentioning here, I think they're going to go bowling too. All these teams, I think, are going to go bowling. Syracuse is the best running back. Their defense was really stout last year, and they got a quarterback returning in Garrett Schrader. So from top to bottom, you could make the case the ACC's Atlantic is the best division in college football. Dave Clawson even made this point. This was Dave Clawson talking about what the Atlantic has. Our division this year uh, is probably the best that's been top to bottom in my nine years in the ACC. If you look at the preseason All-ACC team, I think, I want to say 19 of the 25 were from the Atlantic. Something like that. 19 to 28. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our division this year in the ACC is really, really good. And the whole conference is good, but I think our division is especially strong. The last word on the segment goes to Ed in Winston-Salem. I got a minute. Ed, 
who do you want to see playing quarterback for the Panthers? I would like to see Baker Mayfield playing because he just gives us the best chance. And uh, Sam Darnold, he's just boring. Just boring. (laughs) I like very boring. (laughs) Except when he's seeing ghosts. That was interesting. We got that piece of sound. He just just doesn't have no personality. He's just just boring, man. Baker, he gives us the best chance. I also would like to see Matt come out there. You know what I'm saying? But as far as when it goes to anything, Baker Mayfield gives us the best chance to win. He does. Well said, Ed. Appreciate the call. Three for three votes for Baker Mayfield in this segment. Can't say I'm really surprised by that. Your attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Let's go, girls. Come on. I take it you saw that on Twitter. I watched the new Shania Twain documentary last night. This is something I want to talk about and who's to say. But before we get to that, as promised, Ric Flair wrestled for the final time this week. And (gasps) he won. Shocker. What an upset. It was pretty cool seeing the presentation of it. I didn't really watch much of the match. Couldn't tell you how he finished up. I don't even know what it was broadcast on. I found it on YouTube. But his introduction, you had the classic Space Odyssey music playing as he went to the ring. He had the same belt on that he would don in the 80s when he stepped into the ring. He had the classic robe on. But he really looks like he's in his 70s. (laughs) So I really do hope this is the final, final time that we see Ric Flair wrestling because once you get to a certain age looking at you Undertaker looking at you I could probably rattle off a handful of guys it it's no longer fun or half believable that you could step into that ring and do damage to anybody but pretty cool that one of our state's finest one of the most iconic sports figures that we have in the state of North Carolina Ric Flair Wrestled for the final time. Now let's get to who's to say where I don't quite know what direction the conversation's going to go in. If you'd like to steer the ship, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. It's an opportunity for people to get topics in that we normally might not be able to get to. It's usually more fun when it's not sports-related, but if it is sports-related, Major League Baseball trade deadline being today, still another hour and a half till pins are down, pencils are down on trades being called in, whatever you'd like to get to. But speaking of Shania Twain, when you left after The Bachelorette last night, Shania, see, I saw it on Netflix, and I'm usually really skeptical about music documentaries why usually you don't get the really good stuff usually like footage from behind the scenes and a lot of times there's an agenda of making these puffy or usually puff pieces and there might have been some of that with the Shania doc but very nostalgic and watching that back 
I didn't realize that she put out... I knew she had a ton of hits, obviously. But I didn't realize it was three consecutive platinum albums that she put out. That... Not bad. ...is unheard of. Especially for female singers. For female vocalists. I, I didn't realize that. Obviously, you had the country stuff, and then it became very poppy. When you think Shania Twain, what's the first song that comes to mind? Probably the song we just came back Man, to. And I Feel Like a Woman? Yeah. The music video, see, what makes it such a good documentary, let's just think about this in the most basic way possible. It is a movie, a documentary. Yeah. Which means it is for sight. It's for, it's a visual format. And Shania Twain might have had the best music videos of any pop artist the last 30 years. Like, all those, like, that don't impress me much with the leopard print in the desert. And you mentioned, man, I feel like a woman. And she's got the hat and the suit on. And, oh, those music videos were just amazing. It really works for a documentary. Shania Twain, great music, also just beautiful, beautiful woman. And there were a lot of things I didn't know about her personal life. I couldn't recommend that more. I love documentaries. I'm skeptical uh, skeptical about music docs. That one was really good. Let's go to John in Winston-Salem. John, who's to say? What, what do you say? What should we be talking about? When going to any particular restaurant, what is the one food you order that if they mess up, you already know it's not a good restaurant. For me, if I go to any particular restaurant, they can't make a good burger, they ain't getting my services no more. Good, good question. Thanks for the call, John. I think if we're talking about sit-down restaurants, then yes. If you mess up a burger, I don't want to venture out and try anything else on your menu. If you mess up a burger. Now, if you go to a seafood restaurant and you're ordering a burger and it's not good, shame on you, right? But if it's a sports bar, if it's a place that, you know, it's kind of generic, Americana, the type of food they're serving, then I'm with you on burgers. The other thing I would submit, though, if we're talking about like, especially sports bars are what we're describing here. Wings. If the wings aren't any good. Yeah. The same way. I used to go to um, breakfast joints. Uh-huh. And the good way to judge a good breakfast joint is if they have Cholula hot sauce. I like having hot sauce on hash browns and on my oh, eggs yeah. and stuff. That's great. And if they only have Texas Pete, even though it's, I know I get it, it's Winston-Salem through and through. All due respect to Texas Pete. The worst is Tabasco. Like, I actually, Texas Pete's fine. I can deal with uh, with Texas Pete, which is why Waffle House, if we're at a Waffle House, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo-poo it. They do have Texas Pete there. But if it's just Tabasco, mm -mm -mm. I'm with you on that. You know it's a good place, though, if they have Cholula. They got the Cholula. They have some respect for themselves. I don't know if I've had Cholula. Oh, you've had Cholula. I feel like I have I, I'm trying to imagine the, the, what the bottle looks like. It's got the wooden cap. 
Oh, yeah, I've had Cholula. Because I love hot sauce. I like spicy things. And I'm with you, like, if Tabasco... I'll, I'll, I'll settle for it, but if Tabasco is all you have, it's just like... I don't know. It just it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't have a good flavor to me. Breakfast joints. I won't say any by name. You know who you are. Listen to my voice. Have some respect for yourself. Cholula. Habit in your buildings. And sports bars. While I'm talking about having respect, have the proper games on. Yeah, we've been through this. Little, little bit of effort. <laughs> the summer, the summer... I'm going to be a little less picky, right? But if I'm going into a sports bar during college football season, you don't got the proper games on, it's on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know there's, believe me, my parents ran a couple of restaurants when I was growing up. I understand how difficult things are running a restaurant. I get it. What type of restaurants? Sports. That's unimportant. Sports restaurants, though. Sports bars. Listen, got to have the proper games on. You just do. What do you want to talk about and who's to say? Meatball lives. Yes. Meatball lives. So we were watching The Bachelorette last night. I was distracted looking at... I got all our wedding photos back last night. Oh, yeah. So I was distracted. Posted some of that on my Twitter page. That's always fun. Going through the wedding pictures because there's so much of the wedding you don't see. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about the reception. Hey, I've been pulled out to take pictures here. and Hey, I'm cutting the cake. Wait. My, like, friend from college who I've never seen dance in my life stepped out there and started doing a Michael Jackson impersonation. I'm here for that. By himself on the dance floor while I was gone. Like, I'm looking at these pictures. How does that happen? And he's wearing shades in the dark. What's happening? See, that's that was a fun exercise last night. But the Bachelorette starting to heat up, even though I hate both of the Bachelorettes. You would think... There gets a point where you don't like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette in a given season. I thought since there are two Bachelorettes, I might like one of the two or maybe both. Nope. I think they're both dreadful. Well, see, last week, Gabby wasn't it. This week... Rachel. Rachel was a mess. Mm Mm-hmm. 25 years old. Wants all the attention to be on her. And and here's the thing. She goes off... She goes on magical date after magical date after magical yeah, date. Yeah, in Paris and a day later. Oh, they're not paying me enough attention. And, and and the worst one was a dude trying to impress her by saying, hey, by the way, I just want to share something with you. Oh, God. My, my dog oh. is cancer-ridden. Rambo. Yeah, Ram- Rambo over here. And I love him so much, he might only have a few months to live. And all I'm thinking is in my head is, so you went on a reality TV show while your dog's about to die? Yeah. You really do love Rambo, huh? Uh-huh. I, I see what you're trying to do here, and I don't like it. And he eventually got sniffed out and sent home. By whom? Rachel. But who sniffed him out? Meatball. Meatball. And who he got a rose because he, of it. He looks like a fat version of Trey or uh, a fat third Trey Tyus Jones brother. Like he, he looks kind of like Tyus or Trey Jones. He does. He's a little bit huskier. Meatball lives. That's been who's to say. Hey, Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at 6 for the Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I'm just looking at these pictures and videos from North Wilkesboro Speedway 
and it is giving me goosebumps, man. There is just a buzz over there right now, and the racetrack looks fantastic, and there's been great journalism done here locally by the journal describing how they've refurbished things and some of the uh, touch-ups they've done on the signs and the paint jobs. And then you got Dale Jr., what he's doing to push this today because this is sentimental to him. There are T-shirts you can get with the old-school sun drop number three Dale Jr. car. You want to talk about nostalgia? That'll do the trick. The number three Sundrop Chevy back at North Wilkesboro Speedway. It's going to be a show tonight. It is the most highly anticipated race that there's been in North Wilkesboro since, in Wilkes County, since NASCAR was there in 1996. And here's what I'll say to racing fans listening to my voice right now, where this subject matters to them a great deal. Enjoy today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just in the last hour, I got a couple of texts from people saying, do you think that NASCAR is going to come back? They got a lot of work to do to get NASCAR to come back. Stop worrying about NASCAR. Stop doing that for a minute. And just focus on what tonight is and how cool what's right in front of your face is. That's an achievement. It reminds me of when Wake Forest kicked off the 2020 season against Clemson. And Dave Clawson admitted to us that he was emotional on the sideline right before the game kicked off because it was an achievement just starting that season, given all the testing, all the protocol that was required in order for them to get to that point. He had to separate away from his wife, who was immunocompromised, just so he could, you know, coach that football team. And get ready to go. It was an achievement just to get to the starting line. And that's what this is a lot like. The starting line. This is a starting line in many ways. Reviving this. But it's a finish line too. And it's required a lot of work. And people that didn't let that racetrack die. Or the idea of tonight die. Over the last decade. And that should be celebrated. So excuse me if I don't give a rip. About NASCAR whether they're going to come back in the next few years. It'd be great if they do. But the goal needs to be this. Will you, as a racing fan, if you plan to go to North Wilkesboro Speedway on a regular basis now that it's back in the running races, if you're that person, will you be okay continuing to go race to races there if it's smaller circuit stock cars rather than NASCAR? If NASCAR never comes back, would you be okay with that? Because that needs to be the mindset. That needs to be the goal. There is no guarantee of what you're going to get back, whether it's trucks or Xfinity or you name it. You need That was, like, take Rockingham. We saw it right down the road. <laughs> that you know, racing came back to Rockingham. And then after the first year, things died out in terms of interest. And there wasn't a third year there. Hopefully that doesn't happen to North Wilkesboro, as we were talking about with Ryan McGee yesterday. You've... Got to be cool with NASCAR never returning. It's like when I was single and I was in my early to mid-20s. I go out and it was, I remember one of my boys, this great advice he gave me. He goes, you need to be completely cool having a great time tonight without meeting somebody. You know, 
Great advice. Excellent advice. You need to be cool having a great time tonight without meeting anybody. That can't be your dependence on what or how you define having a great night. Just like the success of this, of having the racetrack come back and having races there and having huge crowds where they're lined up around the place. That should not be defined by whether or not NASCAR decides to come back. And I think there's a chance they could. I think this is going to work. If the continued support and what we've seen over the years at Bowman Gray is any indicator, and you got the support of guys like Dale Jr. and guys who would even race like Bobby Labonte tonight, I think this can work. So enjoy today and don't worry about tomorrow because tonight, that's enough, and it's a huge story. Really cool to see. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, 336-777-1600 is the phone number if you want in on North Wilkesboro or whatever or otherwise. We've got Sean Clark, who's going to join us in 10 minutes, Appalachian State football coach, talking about his matchup with the Tar Heels to open up their season in one month and in one day. But I want to get to this Carolina Panthers rant. Oh, Will Dalton. Will Dalton. This is a PSA that I usually save for just a few times a year. Something we talk about every few years. The Panthers need, they're in desperate need of a uniform facelift. They have not had a significant change to their uniforms ever. There you go. 27 years since 95. Now they had a stripe down their pant one year. But really, the uniforms haven't changed, particularly the jerseys. And this isn't me saying that the jerseys are bad. I like the jerseys. If you don't really want to change them, I'm not going to be. My feelings aren't going to be hurt that much. But one thing that needs to be changed, because the day they announced the jersey schedule, the jerseys they're going to be wearing for every single game of the 17-game season this year, they absolutely do need to make this change. You have to tell the NFL what your primary home jersey is and what your alternate home jersey is and you can only wear your alternate jersey but just a few times a year is my understanding the panthers primary home jersey is their black jersey their alternate is their blue jersey when you look at the schedule they only wear their primary home jersey but four times but wait a minute josh don't they get eight or nine home games yeah every year the panthers their first three or four or five games of the year, because they're in September or October, where, guess what? It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays, and it gets hot in the Carolinas. They don't want to wear black jerseys, so they wear their road whites. Why, well, why not wear a jersey at home that you can wear at home on, in September and also in October? Like the blue jersey. Because the one-time – and here's how I know you can do that. You can wear that in the heat. The one-time Carolinas wearing that jersey – isn't even at home. They're wearing it on the road at Tampa. And guess what? You're not really worried about the heat when you're wearing those bright blue jerseys that look great. It's also my favorite look. So why is it the black jersey the alternate? Why? Why? Why is it the black jersey the alternate? When you only wear it a few times anyway, why not? Like, it is true. They put out this, the jersey schedule today. First game of the year against Cleveland. Road whites in a home game. Second home game. Week three against the Saints. Road Whites. Third home game against the Arizona Cardinals. Road Whites. Fourth home game against the San Francisco 49ers. Road Whites. Boy, you better love the Road Whites because 
The first time that you're going to get to see the Carolina Panthers wear something other than road white is week nine against Cincinnati. That is in November. Or excuse me. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Week 10, Thursday night against Atlanta when they go all black. Black helmet, black jersey, black pant. That's November 12th. So the Carolina Panthers are going to wear the same. Why even put out a jersey schedule? If literally the first half of the season, you're going to be wearing the same darn thing every game. Oh, here's our jersey schedule. Week one, white. Week two, white. Week three, white. Week four, white. Week five, white. Week week six, white. Week seven, white. Week eight, white. Week nine, white. Week 10, black. Okay, whoa. You've really put a lot of thought into this, haven't you? It matters. It matters to me. I and like jerseys. I like I uniforms. Do and I don't. And the think Panthers haven't changed anything at all. I don't think they should change the logo. I would be fine if they changed the uniforms a little bit. I'd be fine with that. But more than anything, if you're going to change anything at all, just come on. Like, wear, wear a home jersey at home. And why can't the blue jersey be at home? I like the blue jersey. And they never wear it at home. Well, and I don't even think it's that hot in September, October. Like, even at 1 o'clock, like, it might be 80s. But, like, it's not the blistering summertime. Yeah. Like, I get Nick? this tweet. Mm. Just like cowboy fans in the white unis. Yankees fans and the pinstripes. Panther fans want white unis at home. Really? They do? I mean, maybe some do. I, really? You sure. want to see them wear the same uniform? I mean, not every week. Everywhere they go, that's what you want to see. First two months of the season, they're wearing the same darn thing every single week. To preview his team's matchup with North Carolina, App State coach Sean Clark will join the show next on The Drive. What a show it's been. In one month and one day, it's going to be North Carolina making a historic trip up the mountain to face Appalachian State. Already visited with the head coach of the Tar Heels, Mac Brown. If you missed that conversation, it's up on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Rate, review, subscribe, do all those good things. If you already do that, two thumbs up to you. If you don't, shame on you. The other side of the equation in that game joins us now. It's App State coach Sean Clark. And coach, before we get into the matchup with the Tar Heels, I want to talk about this story that the Athletic put out yesterday, or I guess it would have been late last week, talking about how amid all the turbulence we're seeing in college sports, there is one league that is feeling pretty good, feeling really good about everything that's happened about the regionality, about the opponents in the league, about the expansion, and that's the Sun Belt. It's become the good, the feel-good league in college football, the Fun Belt. It feels fitting. There's a high approval rating. So you tell me, how would you describe the general vibe around the Sun Belt, the high approval ratings, the state of the league, et cetera, compared to the outlook some of your non-Sun Belt friends in the coaching community currently feel? Well, we just got back from New Orleans, and uh, we had our Sun Belt meetings. There's a lot of buzz in the air right now around our conference. And the new Sun Belt, the way our uh, commissioner has uh, realigned our, our, our conference, it's, it's a lot of excitement. You talk about, you know, like-minded institutions, great football traditions, and, and, and the rivalries. You know, you go back to look the the App State Marshall. That was 
that was the rivalry in the late 80s, early 90s. Whoever won that game was going to be the conference champ. We played here on a Thursday night and sold out here on ESPN. And, you know, James Madison and have a lot of uh, history together in the playoffs from the late 90s and early 2000s. And you know, I think what you're seeing now is, you know, especially with our – we have a very passionate fan base, and our fans will travel. So our fans will – any time they're within four hours of, of an away game, you're four hours from – Huntington, West Virginia, you're four hours from James Madison, you're four and a half hours from Old Dominion. And that's great for college football. That's what you want in your program. It's good for the athletic department. Um, We've already announced two sold-out games already, and I think here in the near future you'll hear more. And I think that goes to a lot of credit goes to our athletic director, Doug Gillen, for what he's done. He's been a big help in this uh, Sunbelt movement. and It's just big for college football. Here's one thing I noticed, though, Coach. When the Big 12 gets poached and there's the trickle-down effect where the Big 12 is looking to fill out and find some group of five teams to make up the rest of its conference in the future, it was not schools from your conference that was being poached. And my theory on that is when you're just seeking out TV markets, you might not have some of those rivalries and regionality that keeps you loyal to a league. It just feels like a bunch of... Uh, a band of misfits, misfit toys, if you will. But you tell me, does the regionality and the rivalries that we see that you're describing within the Sun Belt make all the members of the conference all the more loyal to the league? I believe it does. And you mentioned about the Big 12. And um, West Virginia's closest home game is Iowa State, 875 miles. And, and that's hard to get to. And, you know, with our conference, I think we have a strong pack within our conference, the coaches, especially on the eastern side of our division. That's going to be the gauntlet of all of the group of five anywhere in the country. It's a tough con- – some of that was always tough, and now you have Marshall, Old Dominion, and James Madison. It just got more tough, and it's going to be harder to win. But, you know, I think what you're going to see in the Sun Belt, you're going to see sold-out uh, stadiums on Saturday afternoon. You're going to see passionate fan bases, and you're going to see a great product on the field when we play on Saturdays. Sean Clark's with us, App State coach. The opener is against Carolina, as you mentioned. That game is sold out. A historic trip for the Tar Heels up the mountain. The week after that, though, you're talking about a trip to College Station to face Jimbo's group, Texas A&M, next up on the board. As a coach, what concerns you the most about those two games, those types of games, being back-to-back to start a season? Well, you know, it's, uh, first of all, I'm very grateful. Uh, we at App State are very grateful for North Carolina for coming to Boone. And uh, a lot of credit goes to Coach Brown and, and the athletic director there. But, you know, to me, I, would really, I want to start off with a tough schedule. I do. I want to see where we are. And that way it gives us a chance to reevaluate our, our program, our organization, before we get into conference play. So uh, we're going to play a very talented, very well-coached football team in North Carolina. Then we're going to go to A&M. And, and they'll be, probably be the third-ranked team in the country. And so we're going to have a tough, a tough early, but I'd rather have it that way to see where we are, see where we need to adjust to make changes to, to make a run to staying in conference play. How are your expectations different for Chase Bryce this year than year one a year ago? Well, you know, when, when Chase came in, everyone thought that he wasn't that good of a quarterback, and, and we knew different. And he came in and, and really bought into our program, our culture, what we were trying to accomplish. And, and he was a great team player, a great team player. But he was still learning the offense. And uh, he threw for 3,375 yards, I believe, last year. And to get another spring under his belt, uh, another offseason tra- uh, summer training under his belt, just to watch his, his leadership skills grow. He's a natural leader. 
um, by design anyways. But the way he grabs the receivers and the, the offensive line and, and gets them to do certain drills in the offseason, I think that's big for a program. Our guys see that he's willing to work. And, you know, Chase is, is a six-year senior. He's already graduated from Clemson, and he'll have a degree from App State here in December. But just the way he goes about his business, he's very um, – business-minded in some ways and he's all about our team and and how we can get better how we can improve and he wants to win he's a winner and we're glad he's on our football team you haven't caught him wearing orange at all in the building right uh, he wouldn't be here if he was <laughs> i mean he does ho- he does own a degree there like if we're being fair he does own a degree there right no he does and again you know anytime you graduate from a university we're happy for you and sure but we know um we don't let anyone wear high school uh, jerseys or ah. other schools with this transfer portal the way it is. And uh, once you're in this building, you're you're all App State. You got to believe black and gold to be a part of it. Yeah, black and gold also a lot better looking of a color. If I don't say so myself, I know you agree with that. Sean Clark joining us here on WSGS News Talk Sports for the Triad. I have a confession though. We've been chatting for years now, but on Saturdays, see. My work usually puts together where I'm going and all these different games. And for whatever reason, I've not, I've never been to the rock for a game. I've never been, but I've made it a priority game one. I'm going to be in the building for Carolina Appalachian state. What advice do you got for me? My first ever app state football game at the rock. Well, I would be here early. If I were you, it's going to be the largest event in the, the history of our town in Blue North Carolina. It's going to be 40,000 plus uh, fans here. It's going to be a noon kickoff on ESPN, and you want to showcase two of the best programs in our state, and uh, we're very grateful for, for this opportunity, but um, come early, check some things out, go down on King Street, and and uh, good luck finding a parking place, but uh, it's going to be an electric atmosphere, and we're very excited for it. Uh, our administration has been working tirelessly trying to get this thing done, and it's going to be a big-time atmosphere when you roll here September 3rd. Tell me about the first time you ever stepped foot in Kid Brewer Stadium. Was it still Conway Stadium at the time? No, it was Kid Brewer Stadium. I just came here from Fort Keenan Military Academy. And um, just, just the feel I got when I got on campus, Coach Moore was the head football coach. And, and just the, the, the tradition, the culture he, he installed, his, installed in his players and this program, uh, it's something I'll never forget. It's something I'm very proud of. And I hope to be here for a long time coaching the Mountaineers. Sean Clark, he's with us here. We tried to have a little bit of fun. We love getting both coaches from a game on on the same show. We've got you on, and we had Coach Brown on earlier. And, you know, I won't say he was talking smack. We tried to get him to talk some smack. This is the best we've come up with, and our producer added some, uh, well, let's just say he took some liberties with um, the music of choice when it came to Mac Brown, a message that he's got for you. I think Sean will feel very confident. You look at that home record. Um, Sean was a great player there. He's done a tremendous job coaching. Um, I, I think they they know that that they've got that program rolling. And, and it's, I'm not into wrestling, but Sean's much bigger than I am and stronger. And I usually say to the team, if if, if we need to get in a fight before the game, I can handle this. I'd go down fighting, but he's a lot bigger and stronger than I am. Uh, I really wished that Mac would have gone out on top saying, you know, I can handle that. I can handle that. Then he said you were a lot bigger than him, and he'd probably get his butt whooped if he went head-to-head with you. That was, gosh, I thought it was going to be a lot better of a wrestling promo. That was the most polite wrestling promo I've ever heard. What do you think? No, 
I got a lot of respect for Coach Brown. He's one of the first coaches I called, him and Dave Dorn, when I got the head job here, just to yeah, get advice. And, and, you know, Coach Brown, he's, he's coached here. Uh, he knows what, what it's like in, in Bruno, Carolina. And, you know, again, we do, we know we're going to have a good football team. And we're not saying we're going to win, but we're going to come out ready to compete versus a very good North Carolina football team. And um, uh, I wouldn't worry about wrestling uh, or, or fighting Coach Brown. He's uh, He's got a lot of security around him. I only got one officer. He's got about 14 state troopers around him. So I think we're – I think they're going in good shape right now. Did you like pro wrestling back in the 90s? Oh, you got the Rick, Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes. The Steiner brothers. What else you want to talk about? Nikita Koloff. Oh, man, but you can't forget about the Rock and Roll Express coming off the, off the top now. <laughs> have you ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring? I have not. My, my knees are too bad right now to even think about it. My son wrestles. Uh, for Coach Bentley up here in uh, the Mini Mountain here wrestling, that's as far as I get to the wrestling match. Uh, so you were super into it, it sounds like. Who was your favorite, though, if you had to pick one? Uh, you, you know, I think it's a toss-up between Ric Flair and the Rock and Roll Express. My, my grandpa and I used to watch them on Saturday mornings, and he, uh, I think he thought it was real. But um, it, uh, it was fun to watch, and... And hopefully I get my son to a, a WWE wrestling match here pretty soon. Yeah, there are two F words we do not say on this show. I think everyone has an idea of one of them, and the other is in regards to wrestling that, that we don't say around here. Um, we've got Sean Clark here. Just so you know, we were talking about this earlier. Ric Flair, he wrestled for the final time two days ago at the age of 73. What What does Sean Clark plan to be doing at 73 years old? 73. I hope I make it to 73 after being a head football coach. But <laughs> if I do make it, I'm going to be on Tauga Lake. I'm going to have a, a cold beer in my hand, and I'm going to criticize every football coach in America on Saturday mornings. <laughs> Sounds good. And we'll give you a platform. If I still have a platform, I'll welcome 73-year-old Sean Clark criticizing every coach in America. But until then, best of luck getting prepared for the Tar Heels a month and one day from the day. You know you're always welcome on here in the triad. I appreciate you having me on talking about App State football again. I want to say thanks to App Nation for all your support. And hey, congratulations on getting married. That's, yes. That's a big time uh, event. And uh, I wish you and your wife the best of luck. And if you ever need any counseling, call me, okay? Sounds good to me. Thanks so much, Coach. Thank you.